0: If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 10. Bounce around a little bit here in the book of John. So glad to be able to spend this year with you guys. Last year, about this time, I was uh, at my house with COVID, watching uh, snow come down and and, uh, get everybody stuck on 92. That's what I was doing uh, this time last year. But I'm glad that we are able to be here uh, and be uh, be together instead of being able to do, just doing this online. Uh, we've been walking through this series. You've heard it in the verses that we've read this morning, or this <laughs> this morning. That's going to keep coming. That's going to keep happening. Uh, this afternoon, we um, talking about the idea of joy. The series has been Repeat the Sounding Joy, and we've taken our prompts from uh, the good news that the shepherds came to bring that uh, the good news of great joy is what we are told. And so we've taken our cue from them, and I'll be honest, I knew for a long time that this is the direction that I wanted to go. I felt like God was leading us for this, uh, this season uh, and for uh, Advent this year, and is, is often the case uh, the last few weeks as I have prepared these messages. If you've been here and you've been able to hear some of these messages, it's gone in a very different direction than I thought it would. Uh, it's taken a, a different different turn, uh, and and today is really n- no different. I kind of thought I knew what I was going to say, and then over the last um, last few days, it's kind of taken a different uh, a, a, a different route. But I think that it's uh, it's good because the thing is, what has surprised me over the course of the last month, going into the idea of of Christmas, you would think talking about joy would be pretty simple, right? You would think that talking about joy would be uh, pretty straightforward to be able to, to do that because uh, what else more represents Christmas than joy? Uh, but as we've seen over the last few weeks, whenever you start getting into the Christmas story, joy is not the dominant emotion. Uh, joy, in fact, is something you really have to look pretty hard to find you've got the angels and their announcement you have uh, elizabeth with uh with with her celebration of john the baptist being born and just a couple of other places you have this idea of joy but really it's just not there instead what is what has really kind of struck me is the amount of pain uh and the amount of waiting that are that are that that the christmas story is full of at every turn waiting for, uh, for the good news to come, perhaps waiting for the joy that will be. But the Christmas story itself is full of a lot of other things besides joy. But what it's taught me is to look at how joy works in Scripture, and especially at how joy even works for us here during the Christmas season, that whenever Christmas Day finally comes and the waiting is over, the joy then Is complete. As many of you guys can attest, kids, as you all can attest, the waiting is almost over. It's almost over. I know some of y'all cheat, and you already opened some Christmas presents today, uh, but and and we'll do like Christmas pajamas, but that doesn't count. Uh, So we wait until Christmas Day, and the waiting is almost over. So we are very very close to be able to celebrate the arrival of Christmas. Now, Christmas gets a bad knock for. Uh, about being all about presents and all the stuff that you get at Christmas. And much of that criticism is valid. I don't, I don't think I need to add necessarily to that. But let's not neglect the lesson that we can learn also, that, that the waiting and the anticipation that is created by these gifts can teach us a lesson. There's much for us to learn there in that, uh, that waiting, even if it is the less than ideal Christmas greed and materialism and all that other stuff. The waiting teaches us something. And as we sit here on the edge of Christmas Day, the day that marks the arrival of this much longed for, much uh, waited for Jesus in the scriptures, I wonder what it is that you're waiting for. Now, I, I know you're waiting for Christmas Day and all the celebrations that come with that and, and whatever traditions that you've got uh, tonight with Christmas Eve and then going into the day tomorrow. But I wonder if you want to step back just a little bit step back from the, the moment that we're in of Christmas Eve and, and, and think about your own life and the things that you are sorting through, that you're working through. And I just wonder, what are you waiting for? And I wonder if some of you aren't waiting for joy to just kind of show up one day. And you're hoping that maybe that day is tomorrow. I mean, after all, it is Christmas. If joy's going to show up any day, you would think that would be the day. But 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 I wonder if some of you are just kind of hoping, like maybe it'll show up tomorrow. And I'll be honest with you, I think there's probably a lot of us that are in that boat on some level. You're just hoping that it shows up. You're waiting for it to get here. Maybe this season hasn't been quite the season you thought it would be. Maybe you've been dealing with all kinds of stuff. Or maybe, and not just maybe, for all of us, the reality is we are in the midst of a broken world. And the idea of joy is something that we have to fight for. Joy does not come easy and it does not come natural in the midst of a broken world. A world marred by sin, by, by, by pain, by suffering. It's, joy is something you have to fight for, it's just not there for you. And if some of y'all are thinking, well, Merry Christmas to you, Pastor. That's a great message for us on Christmas Eve uh we'll fight for joy and that'll be that'll be what we'll we'll shoot for uh tomorrow i know it doesn't sound great but i also know that you feel it i know that you know it's true the joy isn't just there and i know that it's true because jesus tells us what we're up against in john chapter 10 verse 10 jesus tells us that the thief comes only to steal kill kill and destroy steal kill and destroy that is what Satan has come to do to rob us, to destroy us. It's in this midst of this long section of teaching about who Jesus is, about why he came, about, uh, 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 about what it is that he's doing, that Jesus reminds us of what it is that we are up against. And just because it's Christmas doesn't mean that Satan takes a break. In fact, for many of us, I would argue this is when he goes in for the kill. And that's what he wants. And he'll get there however he can. Some of us he will try to outright destroy with despair, but others he only wants us to conv- he only wants to convince us to find our joy in other things. And that seems pretty prevalent and pretty easy to do in the world around us right now the syrupy kind of sentimentality, the nostalgia, the gifts, the stuff. There's all kinds of things we can latch on to to find joy. And Satan is fine with that. Because he knows if you can latch on to those things and stop there, and there's nothing wrong with those things, but if you can latch on to those things and you stop there, he's good. Because when he does that, he's been able to rob you of a greater joy. Obviously, Christmas is not about the stuff. We know that. It's about God who came to live with us, among us. And Jesus says, here's what that mission was all about. That mission of me coming to live in your midst, here's what it is all about. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says, I've come to rescue I've come to get you. And it isn't just that he came on a rescue mission, but he came to give us something that is so elusive for us. He came to give us joy. Listen to the rest of verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So that... That baby in the manger, as we look at him, as we celebrate, when you look at your manger scene on your mantle and you consider the things of Christmas, and you want to know, what is it all about? Yes, it's about the baby, but it doesn't the, the, the baby in the manger is just the kickoff. It's about the mission that he was on. Is he come to rescue you? Yes, absolutely. He has come to rescue us. But he has also come on a mission of joy. He knew that we had an enemy, but he did not abandon us to that enemy. He did not leave us with that enemy. He did not leave us to fend for ourselves against an enemy that wants to rob us of everything. Instead, he came. He came to save us. He came to restore us. He came to, uh, to, to, to rescue us. He came for all of that. But he also came to bring us joy. This is all throughout the Gospels, too. You can read this all throughout any of them. Jesus is on a mercy mission, a rescue mission, but also a mission to give joy. Don't miss that this morning. I think for so, or this, this afternoon, I think for so many of us, I think for so many of us, we forget that that is what Jesus was about, we think that he's about so many other things that he lays out there for us, and we get so caught up in, uh, in, in maybe the rules, maybe the theology, maybe you know, this or that, or we focus so much on the end of the story with Easter, we forget what he has come to do. In John 15, Jesus is moving from his ministry here during the incarnation, what started at Christmas, and he's moving to what will be his death. He's preparing his disciples for what is about to happen. And he explains that his, his earthly, what his earthly ministry has been about. That's what he's teaching them in John 15. And he wants them to understand this about his teaching. So John 15, chapter 11. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So Jesus says, this is what I came to do, that your joy would be full. And that word there, full, it's, a, it's, it's this ideal of fulfillment, of completedness. I have come not just that you would be happy, but that your joy would find its, its, its final resting place, its completedness in me. Do you understand how big that is for you? This world will convince you that your joy will find its its final place, its 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 its, its completeness in so many other things. And Jesus says all of those other things are meant to be a pointer to me. And then when you get to me, that's when your joy finds its fulfillment. Jesus doesn't tell us that he has spoken these things to us that we might be good or that we might be perfect. Or that we might somehow be righteous. He has other ways to accomplish that. Ways that he will teach us about he will tell us about. He tells us that he has given us the instructions that he has given. That we might have joy. But not just joy. Joy in full. No task to be done to receive that joy. The joy is simply found in him. And he has come to bring it. He is the bringer of joy that's what jesus has come to do christmas is the launching of a mission of joy friends this is not how we talk about christianity even, even those of us, I'm not talking about outsiders, I'm talking about those of us who have followed Christ, who know Christ, those of you in here who are actively following and worshiping Christ. We just don't talk about Jesus that way. We don't talk about our faith that way, but that is what he has come to do. Not only do we not talk about our faith that way, I think many outsiders and even many of those who are believers would assume that Jesus came to do just the opposite. That Jesus is in fact the ultimate killjoy. That he's come to take all those things that you find fun and take them out of your life. And if you can have the least amount of fun on this earth, then you'll be the happiest person in heaven. That is not the Christian faith. But there's a lot of people that think that it is that Jesus was in fact the one that came to kill and to steal joy. The reality, though, is that joy is at the heart of the mission of God. Would you look one more chapter over in John chapter 16, and you'll hear it again as Jesus drives home the point again. So it's John 10, John 15, John 16. We're going to see it in John 17 here in just a second. He says, so also you have sorrow now, because he's told them that he's going to die. But I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. That's a good one to hold on to right there. And that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. This is not like sitting on Santa's lap and saying, hey, this is what I really want for Christmas. And that when you get that, you're actually going to be happy. What this means is if you ask the, of, of, of Jesus that he would come and that he would show you and teach you and give you joy, he will give it. Beginning to end, his mission is about joy. The writer of Hebrews even talks about how Jesus went to the cross for the joy that is set before him. It begins with good news of great joy, and then Jesus goes to the cross full of joy. We have no categories for that. That makes no sense for us. No sense at all. But that's the mission that he came on, to bring joy. And then finally, in John chapter 17, one of the most remarkable chapters in all of Scripture, we have this detailed prayer of what Jesus prayed for his disciples then and his disciples to come, us. And this is what he says in John chapter 17, verse 13. He says, but now I am coming to you, he's talking to the Father, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've never noticed the wording of that verse that they might have my joy, so that we would have Jesus' joy fulfilled in us. Jesus' prayer for us, for, for me, for you, his prayer for us is that we would share in his joy. We say we want to be like Jesus in his holiness and in his righteousness, in his kindness, in his gentleness. All of those things are good. I wonder how many of us pray that we would be like Jesus in his joy. And yet Jesus prays that for us. He prays that we would have his joy. That we would have the same joy. If you read in John 17, he explains what this joy is about. That he has oneness with the Father. And that that is the source of his joy. And then he goes on to say, I pray that they would have that same joy. That we would be one with Jesus the way Jesus is one with the Father. And that would bring us a joy that cannot be matched on this earth. That is what Jesus prays for us. It's a stunning prayer, but it's the one that's been prayed over each one of you in this room. The last little point I want to make here is I think it's interesting where we started with the angels' pronouncement of good news, of great joy. I think it's interesting that the, what, what the angels ask for the shepherds to do. If a king were coming, you would think they would come with a list of things to do. Here's the things that you need to do to prepare for the king's arrival. After all, he's a king. He deserves the best. There would be a list of demands and expectations for, uh, for all kinds of people. There would, be, there would be all these things to be done. There would be a, 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 not just a room to prepare, but a whole house to prepare. There would be cleaning. There would be chores. There would be much to do for the arrival of this king. And I think that list of demands and list of expectations for a lot of people, I just described the Christian faith. It is a list of demands, a list of expectations, and you're expected to meet those. And if you can meet those, then just maybe, just maybe, you might get a glimpse of Jesus and maybe just a, a, a smidgen of joy out of that. A list of demands and expectations in order to prepare ourselves to meet the King, that is the Christian faith for a lot of people. But there's no joy in that. Maybe just a small, tiny little bit, bit of like, a, like a, a job well done. The, the problem is that list is never done. There's always work. There's always drudgery. There's unobtainable expectations for all of us. We can't clean ourselves up nice enough for the king. We just aren't in his class no matter how hard we try. But that's not what the angel's announcement is at all. It isn't go and do. Instead, it's go and see. Just go and see. And that's the only way that the angels can say that the news that they bring is good news of great joy. Because it's not good news if they bring you a list and say, make your house nice enough for the king." But that's not at all what they say. They say, go, as you are, you filthy shepherds, go and see the king and worship him. And that's why Christmas is good news of great joy. Because it's not an announcement of rules, it's an announcement of a person. Of Jesus himself who would later pray on our behalf that we would share in His oneness with the Father, our oneness with Him, and that we would have His joy. Jesus, our joy. That is the Christmas story. And I pray as we come to a a, a conclusion here, as we kind of draw in on a few different things, I pray that you would consider this this evening, that you would consider uh, this Christmas season as we kick off our Christmas celebration, what is it that you are longing for? What is it that you are waiting for? What is that thing that you think, if you get it, if, 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 if that thing shows up that you are waiting for, your joy would be complete? And if that thing is anything short of Jesus, you will have less than what he came to bring you he came to bring you joy that was his mission that is the christmas story will you pray with me father as we prepare to light this candle and celebrate this idea that the waiting is over that the waiting is complete that we have we have we have arrived at the time of celebration father as we begin to um to 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 move into that i pray that we would find our joy nowhere but in being one with jesus father i thank you that you did not you did not send your son in order to rule harshly that you did not send your son in order to give us a list of demands to meet but instead you sent your son on a mission of joy And Father, we confess far too often that we turn our nose up at that joy that is offered to us in favor of something much, much worse and convince ourselves that we found something else that's great. Father, humble us to the same place that the shepherds were humbled, that when we heard, we went and we saw and we worshipped. In Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to light for us now. Set this over to the side here. We have our four candles of Advent that have been lit. I'm going to light for us now the fifth candle, the Christ candle. John chapter 1, verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So our final kind of culmination of this celebration of this season, where we move from Advent waiting to Christmas celebrating. And with that, we light the Christ candle. where you guys can take out your candles.